mean, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. Do anything travels that far to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Here we go, episode number 19. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it, as always. On this week's episode, I had a chance to talk to Michael Kopech. Really great conversation. Is he really thoughtful guy in in life and on the diamond as well? So a lot of uh, a good talk there. We'll talk about Eloy Jimenez a little bit. We'll talk about some mechanical stuff for, for Kopech, some personal things. A fun, fun conversation. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I do, as always, like to start with the rundown because I got some thoughts. All right, in this week's episode of The Rundown, I wanted to talk about Yoan Moncada a little bit. He's really, really slumping. He's struggled since the All-Star break. As I speak to you here on 8-8-1-8, he's struck out 16 times over his last six games. He's leading the majors with 161 strikeouts. He's on pace for 233. That would set the record. He's in a an awful, awful slump, 1-4-25. And I put some stuff on Twitter the other night because Makata had just a really, really bad night at the plate. He looks t- he looks mentally exhausted, but Ricky, uh, Ricky Renteria says that's not the case. He says his attitude's been great. He still comes in with a smile every day, even after a rough day at the plate. And I pointed out on Twitter that Chris Bryant struck out 199 times in his rookie year. That, that's all I was pointing out was simply that young batters are going to strike out a lot, some more than others. Chris Bryant also wasn't he was hitting at an average closer to 300 than what Mokata is at right now. I'm not comparing the players. I was just simply pointing out the fact that young players strike out. So I'm not comparing. It wasn't even a full player comp. It was simply just pointing out that young players strike out. That's it. Some people ran with it in a different direction. Ricky Renteria had some interesting things to say about Yo Mokata that I think you should hear. He talked about this after uh, Game 2 against the Yankees. Uh, tomorrow he'll come back and he'll be happy, smiling, and ready to go. He'll work uh, just like all those guys. I don't think I've seen any of our guys actually, regardless of what they're going through, come to the ballpark in a in a different mood. You know, a somber mood. No, they're 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 ready to work and get ready for the next day. But we've been very fortunate with that. Uh, he's got a great eye, obviously, everything in the zone if he if he can get to it. Uh, but now it's about battling tough pitches and, and uh, certain situations. And I think, uh, to be honest, this is good for him. I think he's going to start to uh, understand that there is a, another another phase to hitting. So I'll say this about Moncada. Maybe Moncada's not going to be the player we thought he was going to be. Maybe he's not going to be a superstar. But maybe he still is going to be a superstar. We don't know yet. And I think... Uh, being a fan, it's okay to ride these highs and lows of this season for the Sox. If you want, if you want to get overly excited about a victory, go for it. Yeah, I'm not one of these guys. Some people are, are such Debbie Downers when it comes to these rebuild years. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a rebuild. Who cares if they won? Well, who, it's because it's it's fun being a fan. That's why some people care. Tell those Section 108 crew. Tell that that they shouldn't have fun at a Sox game. So you can ride the highs and lows of a season, right? You can get excited over a victory. Sure, go ahead. Get excited about a win. Don't get overly disappointed about a loss, that's for sure. This is all part of the plan. But my point is, on a, on a smaller individual scale, don't ride these waves of a rookie. If Moncada goes on a tear over the next two weeks, it doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar in this league. 
If Moncada is leading the league in strikeouts and he's in a 1-for-25 slump, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bust. Either way. So there are these highs and lows of a season. You can pick and choose how you want to address that. <laughs> but it's just silly and short-sighted to think Moncada striking out a bunch in his rookie year is somehow some major red flag that he's going to be a bust in baseball. And he's not going to be what we thought he, he could be. Those are just my comments on Moncada that I think everybody should just kind of calm the panic a little bit on Moncada. It seems like anytime he hits a rough stretch, people panic. And I realize he's not having a great year defensively and really not at the plate either. Definitely not at the plate. So, but, and people on Twitter were like, well, he's not, I haven't seen any development over over the stretch of the season from Yoel Moncada. How do you know that for sure? I realize the numbers aren't there and the results aren't there, but that doesn't mean he's not learning. It doesn't mean that what he's struggling and going through this season isn't going to help him next year. That's development. That's the real development. How does he react to these struggles? And, you know, of course, Rick Renteria is going to say all the right things, but I don't sense him sort of sluggishly walking around the clubhouse. He always seems to be in a pretty good mood when we see him even after a rough game. He's got his son there at the game. He throws BP to his son on the on the diamond. So... I just think that you can choose as a fan how you want to address this White Sox rebuild as a whole in wins and losses and individually. This year we've talked about it a million times. It's about individual growth, not about wins and losses. So, yes, Moncada is not producing statistically. He's have he's had a bunch of errors at second base. But if, if a guy's going through a, a rough stretch as a rookie, I don't think it's fair to him to say, yeah, like me, okay, I was pointing out the fact that Chris Bryant struck out a bunch his rookie year and that everyone countered, well, yeah, well, Chris Bryant put up these offensive numbers. I get that. I know. That's that's a part of the perspective of the whole thing. I was just simply pointing out that Moncada struck out a lot. I think just everybody should probably have a little bit more of perspective on the Moncada situation. But like I said, you don't have to. That's fine. <laughs> Go crazy. Ride the ups and downs of Moncada and, and all the individual prospects that are up right now. And ride the wins and losses. That's fine. Go out there, eat a polis, drink some beers on a beautiful summer day, and have fun. That's cool with me. I totally get that. So those are my thoughts on Yoan Moncada. Calm the panic a little bit, everybody. I also want to touch uh, a little, uh, some Cubs notes here as well. Uh, David Bodie this season, bad a slash line, 328, 419, 508. David Bodie all of a sudden is a necessity rather than a luxury. David Bodie looked like he could potentially be some trade bait if the Cubs wanted to add um, even more than they did at the deadline. But with Chris Bryant's nagging shoulder, David Bodie stepped up out of nowhere. I guess I shouldn't say out of nowhere. Some people have thought highly of him for a while, but I don't think anybody expected David Bodie to post a slash line of 328, 419, and 508 through 30 games or so. He's been big for them. And really, his only the, the only negative I can really think of that stands out is Sunday. He got picked off by the catcher at second base. He was leading off a little bit too too much. But David Bodie's coming up big for the Cubs. And Chris Bryant has says uh, uh, he's throwing the ball, um, but he's not swinging a bat yet. He's playing catch, but he's not swinging a bat. So I think I think Chris Bryant will be back. Do I think Cub fans should be concerned about that? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hit your way through the postseason a little bit here, particularly if you get back to the World Series. You're gonna have to face Houston, Boston, Cleveland, or New York. Some big time lineups right there. So, um, same thing with you, Darvish. I mean, the Cubs are still in first place. 
I don't want to go down this whole uh, spiel again because I continue to tell Cub fans, you know, or to continue to bring this up that uh, all things considered this year with injuries, Morrow and Darvish and Bryant, they're still in first place. They still have the best record in all the National League. So, uh, but I, I still think it's larger picture for the Cubs postseason. What can they do? And what can they do if they get to the World Series and have to face one of those AL lineups? Because the offense hasn't exactly been dominating over the past few weeks here. But I do think Chris Bryant will be back for the postseason. Still plenty of time. We still got about a month and a two, two, almost two full months of baseball left before postseason. So Cubs need to get healthy. They're they're in first place right now. They're hanging on to that uh, lead over the Brewers. And I think they will hang on to it for the rest of the season and, and clinch the Central. So, uh, But David Bodie coming up huge for the Cubs. All right, that's this week's rundown on the podcast. Time for my interview with Michael Kopech. Had a really great conversation with the hard-throwing righty. And uh, here's what he had to say about a wide variety of things, personal and professional. We're now joined by Michael Kopech, top White Sox pitching prospect. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on the podcast, Michael. Thanks. Yeah, man. Glad to be on. So the storyline this season was, well, Michael Kopech can throw the ball really hard, but he has command issues. And then all of a sudden, you've just uh, dominated over your last five starts, just four walks over your last 31 innings. What's clicked lately? Uh, You know, I really just focused on my mechanics and kind of slowing everything down, slowing the game down. Um, There was a point early in the season where I just was trying to do too much, and I think I was looking too far ahead and i've kind of gone back to just the basics so what was sort of the turning point did you have a moment where you're okay i can make a little adjustment here or maybe was it a a a mental tune-up for you it was definitely more mental than physical um i mean i did kind of get out like away from my body as far as mechanics go and i I made some minor adjustments and got back to it but for the most part it was just clear my head, get my confidence back. Yeah, I know you went through a lot uh, in early July with the loss of your cousin. Uh, how much did that uh, take a toll on your performance on the mound, and where are you at mentally right now? Um, you know, it's always tough to have a loss in the family. Um, I wouldn't say that it affected me as a pitcher, but it did affect me emotionally for a while there. Um. Right now, though, you know, kind of trying to move past it and keep the family strong, um, I feel like I'm in a pretty good position, and I know that I have a you know, family member looking after us and everything. So it's, it's a tough situation, but it, it, it is a part of life, and, you know, it, it sucks, but it's glad that, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to come closer as a family. Yeah, I know family's everything to you. I, I, Sox fans follow you on social media. I follow you on social media. I, I see that quite a bit where, you know, you're with your sister or your family. How how important are they to your supporting you and, and your baseball career? And how important have they been this season in helping you get your mind right? Extremely important. You know, I have, I have a very supportive family. Um, they come out a few times a year when they have a chance. My sister's actually just in town last week, so I mean, for the, the the time that they have to be able to sacrifice some of that time to come see me, it means the world to me because you know they they are my number one fans, and you know having a supportive family is everything to me, and I want to I want to be able to support them and get back to them the way they have for me. 
Well, back to what uh, you're doing on the mound. That changeup uh, has been working for you, and, and that was much of the talk this year was, well, Kopech's got to develop that changeup. Technically, what have you done with that changeup, and how comfortable do you feel with that pitch right now? Uh, it's kind of an unorthodox grip. Uh, basically, it's kind of a, a deeper two-seam because I had a problem throwing a, like a true circle change. Um, and I throw, you know, I throw my fastball with confidence, so I figured throwing a two-seam like that would be pretty easy to throw with confidence. Uh, and it's worked for me. Um, you know, it's just finding a pitch that I have the confidence in, finding a grip that I have the confidence in has really, you know, helped my repertoire as far as the last few outings have gone, and I'm going to continue to develop that pitch. How much are you itching to get up to the majors, Michael? <laughs> I, I'm itching, but I, I think that goes just about for anybody in AAA. Would you be Would you be disappointed, or would it be a bit of a letdown if you didn't get the call up this year? Yeah, I'd be disappointed. Uh, I know there's an aspect of it that I don't get to be a part of. There's a business side of things, um, but I feel like I've done everything I need to do. I know I went through a stretch there where my numbers got inflated, and it looked like I wasn't ready, but I, I feel like I'm past that. And I've done, you know, as much as I can to try to get back to normal. But I, I feel about as confident as I can right now. Have you been told there's anything else that you need to do to either prove to them or work on before you do get that call? Or has the message pretty much just been the same all season? Um. At the beginning of the season, it, it was the change up, and then it was the command. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything right now specifically I can do, but uh, as, as long as I'm being consistent, I feel like it'll pay off. Last year, you threw 134 innings. This year, you're at about 113. Is there any indication to you on an innings cap, or do you know what your what your number is this year before before the season's over? I haven't been told about an innings cap. Um, hopefully there's not one, uh, you know, as far as it should go in my opinion, which you know, not my call, but I feel like, you know, if I feel good and I feel strong throughout the end of the season, to kind of just keep riding. What's it been like playing with Eloy Jimenez? I, I think I saw a quote that you referred <laughs> to him as Babe Ruth and Sox fans are itching to see him. They're itching to see you up at the big league level. What's it been like up close watching that guy hit? You know what? It is unbelievable. And I'm fortunate enough to be pretty good friends with Eloy. We we kind of feed off each other. But And I'm not just saying this because he's a teammate and he's a good buddy of mine. But he's probably the best hitter I've ever seen in the minor leagues. Well, that was my next question. Was You've played with a lot of good players in the minors between Red Sox and the White Sox farm system. Eloy's at the top for you from what you've seen up close? 100%. He's, he's beyond his years as far as his comfort level at the plate. Uh, he obviously has the raw power everyone talks about, and he never looks you know, like he's getting beat by a pitch. Mm-hmm. It, I was talking to him one of his last games a few days ago, and he went three for four and was upset he didn't go four for four <laughs> because he had already analyzed the situation, knew what pitch he was getting, swung at the pitch, 
popped it off. He said he missed it. So he was all so pissed off that he didn't get that fourth hit. <laughs> but, you know, it, to me, just seeing how well he analyzes, especially being 21 years old, is really impressive. He's definitely one of the best hitters I've ever seen. What's he like as a teammate? Tell us something about Eloy that maybe we can't see from behind the scenes. What's he like in the clubhouse or when you guys are just hanging out? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll understand what I'm saying when he gets called up. Uh, he's a very carefree kind of easygoing guy. I would say you could compare his personality to, to Yomer a little bit. He's He likes to have fun. He likes to you know, cut up a little bit, but he likes to win too. So he's he's a lot of fun to have around in the clubhouse. He's never the guy that's gonna you know get all ticked off or uncomfortable to you know make the the environment a little uneasy. He's he makes the game fun still. He keeps it keeps it loose in there for sure. Do you two talk about? playing in the majors together or just getting that call that day when it comes when you're standing on uh, the mound at 35th and Shields on the south side of Chicago and he's out in left field. Do you guys talk about that at all? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I mean, I think I think a lot of us talk about it, but me and Eloy in particular, uh, you know, every day he has a multi-hit game, which seems like just about every day. Right. I come in and say, well, you're done in AAA. <laughs> right, but you know, I'm, I'm not GM, and neither is he. But we, we just we like to kind of have fun with you, the with each other. Excuse me. Uh, and it's you know it's a good camaraderie to have with him. And it, you know we're locker mates, so we get to see a little bit too much of each other every day too. You're a pitcher. He's a position player, obviously. But do you think you guys feed off each other before games and even during games? Maybe mentally being comfortable, knowing you got a buddy out there with you. Yeah, hundred percent. Because we're both in pretty similar situations in our career, we can relate to each other. And you know, having a guy like that in the lineup, especially you know when you're out there competing your tail off on the mound, if it's a two-run game and he comes up to the plate with you know one or two runners on, you never feel like you're counted out. So we definitely kind of bounce stuff off of each other, and it makes things a lot more comfortable when you know that he's in the lineup. You know, last Sunday, Michael, there was Eloy watch was going on because he was scratched from the lineup for you guys. I don't know if you saw any of this on social media, but White Sox fans were buzzing on Twitter and people were looking at flights from Charlotte to Chicago, trying to figure out if this was the time he's getting called up. There's always sort of rumors swirling about you two guys as well. Do you you follow along? There's a lot of excitement from White Sox fans and they really are looking forward to seeing you guys. But do you you kind of find that to be a fun uh, experience or whatever you may call it? Um, watching White Sox fans just have you guys under a microscope and just crossing their fingers that it's sooner rather than later you get called up? No, I mean, obviously that's, you know, great to hear and everything, but I think if we get caught up too much in trying to, you know, see what the fans want rather than what's going to go on, we can, you know, play up the situation in our head a little bit too much. Right. Uh, so we we kind of try to sit back and just, let everything take care of itself. You know, we obviously hope it's sooner rather than later as well. But you know, we just we wait on the call rather than you know peek through social media because right. that can make it a little bit harder on the situation. 
The uh, the system, the White Sox system, is obviously rich with 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 talent between you and Eloy, and the list goes on and on. And Madrigal and Robert, do you guys like to keep tabs? Obviously, with your teammates in Charlotte, but even down in Double A, what Dylan Cease has been able to do this year, and then even down to Single A, do you, do you guys like to keep up with what your potential, you know, future teammates at the big league level are doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's hard to follow along every single game and stuff like that but obviously when we see somebody like Cease go out there and pitch seven shutty or whatever the case may be we we notice it and you know we're happy for those guys because hopefully they're going to be our teammates sooner than later all right michael i always save the hardest hitting questions for last uh, i don't mean to sabotage you here but when i told uh when i put out that i was had having the opportunity to talk to you out on social media a lot of diehard Sox fans reached out to me and they wanted to know What's the product you're using in the hair? Because you got a great flow rock in there, Michael. So, are you using conditioner and shampoo? What kind of product you're working with these days? Uh, this may sound a little gross, but I only wash my hair once a week. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like it just keeps it keep the flow going or whatever yeah. for keep, longer. Keep it natural. <laughs> whatever you're doing, man, yeah. it's working. <laughs> keep it going. So pe- people love the hair. It's like the uh, the Bryce Harper look. I think you, uh, you're you rocking it well. <laughs> rocking it well, my friend. Michael, thank you so much for your time. All the best, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up in Chicago soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. That's Michael Kopech, top White Sox pitching prospect. Can't thank him enough for jumping on. Hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to him again down the road, maybe when he's in Chicago. We shall see. I know Sox fans are really looking forward to seeing him and, and Eloy and a glimpse of the future. I know some people really don't care. would rather see both of them stay down until next year to uh, slow down that service time clock. But thank you to Michael Kopech. Thank you for listening. Please follow me on Twitter at kpowell 720 if you aren't already. And subscribe, review, and rate. This is episode 19 of the Paul with the Park podcast. Thank you, and have a great day.